Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Abe Piscor. Before we begin today, I want to remind everybody that we do have a Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. Still has that new car smell. <laughs> Three levels to join there. Get access to our videos early, which can save you a bit on the Kayfabe effect. We've seen that happen on a couple of our videos already where prices have spiked by the time we release the video on YouTube. The other effect, if you are a King Kayfaber, is you get to sit and watch us record these videos live and uh, talk back and forth, give us some input on uh, upcoming special episodes, whatever the case may be. So right now, as we are recording this, we are also talking to a bunch of King Kayfabers. So check it out, see which plan suits your needs. And if you're not ready to join Patreon, no worries. We will still be coming to you daily here on YouTube. The other best way to support us, working cartoonist, buy our books. This is our bibliography, Hulk Grand Design, Street Angel, Deadly Squirrel Alive, and Princess of Poverty, Plain Janes are my latest books. Red Room, third season, Gearing Up, pre-order that one now, pick that up at your comic shop. Uh, Hip Hop Family Tree, celebrating 10th anniversary this year. Amazing, congratulations, Ed. X-Men Grand Design and WYSIWYG, all available now wherever you buy books or comics. So today we are going to look at kind of a kind of a strange one, The Adventures of Sweet Gwendolyn by John Willie. This book is, John Willie died in 1962, so he's active in the 40s and 50s primarily. He was a publisher of a fetish magazine called Bazaar. I always like getting a little bit of that, like the self-publisher part is something that I'm interested in. As you can imagine, this book covers not just the comics that he made and his artwork, but there's also extra information, you know, giving some context to his career and biography. This was printed in 1999, and I think I may have bought my copy from the publisher. Um, it, it certainly came out of a similar area, and, and he was selling like, you know, 20 of them. So I think that may be the case with this. But the reason John Willie is on my radar is I'm working on a nonfiction crime book, and one of the characters is an associate of John Willie. And so that came up kind of in my research, and uh, I started digging around, and I've heard of Sweet Gwendolyn. It's, um, I guess, kind of a, an adult graphic novel, you know, prototype of a graphic novel. This exact image would be thumbnail size in the back of heavy metal magazines whenever they're shipping, like, you know, shopping around like, like a catalog of material. So this very specific image is like burnt into my brain. I think it is the, the cover image to several collections or yes albums however they disseminated this this thing man but uh talk about coitus interruptus like when you go through it and you could start going through pages or whatever man but uh it's a simpler time and they can't take it to that hardcore level by any means so obviously it's so it's so horny of a comic but there's never like payoffs it's just like let's get these chicks fucking tied up and then i don't know the story ends that's it that's exactly <laughs> it and no nudity in, no. in in this stuff um he he has done some nudity and that's in here but but not as part of the sweet gwendolyn stuff because he's mail ordering you know he's sending the stuff out on his mailing list yeah and it's there's you have to be cautious you know if you're having anything that's really porn you can be stopped. You can be arrested. You know, this is a time in the 40s and 50s where you can't really be sending that stuff through the mail. Happens to this day. Like, like people get their PayPal accounts shut down. I know people who have book businesses and stuff. And, and uh, when PayPal gets righteous and, and is looking at, like, what people are buying, their PayPal accounts get shut down. So one of the cool things is 
This sweet Gwendolyn story is one of the first things that he does, and it goes through his own publishing, which Bizarre has its ups and downs, so he doesn't publish it continuously, and at times he'll partner with other people to publish. So this is their first version of this story. He comes back to it in the late 50s and basically finishes the story, redoes it, and packages it as what we would call a graphic novel, you know, a paperback. You can compare these pages because he is redrawing almost the entire thing at this later date. So here's one that you can see the uh, kind of this, this page where he is redrawing. So you see old man and, and hugging that old man, a completely different, you know, rendering style. Same panel, same concept, but redrawn 15 years later, 20 years later, and uh, drawing it at this point where he's going to publish it and own it himself. And I feel like putting in that extra effort, but also with 15 years more experience as a working artist. Yeah. And he would go, um, and it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, you get 30 pages of that, you know, that you can actually compare because it's, it's a complete reprint. Right. So that's kind of a neat feature. This is a really nice book for a variety of these reasons. And he would be like... Um, Big influence on a lot of cartoonists, but Eric Stanton, who we looked at in a previous episode, I think is the most obvious lineage. Gene Bilbro is another one that is cited in sort of in the text in here. Only one known interview, and it's with the Kinsey Report. Remember, like the Kinsey oh, yeah, the sex guy? Yeah, exactly. Has a five-hour interview with him, but he, John Willie, dies of a brain tumor in 1962, is diagnosed in 1961, and his interview is conducted after his brain tumor diagnosis and the original tapes are lost so there's an abridged version and then there's a typed manuscript so the biographer or the author of this book at times calls out like maybe this is not accurate you know certain pieces from that interview but it's still kind of noteworthy to me that you know an institution like like Kinsey is looking at him as like makes so much sense. Come on. Yeah, it does. Because, it does. But because that's like, not how the world always works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like looking through this, like look at this for a crazy. Totally, that it's, feels it's, like that's a red room. Absolutely. Ed. Like and and before that, there's like there's like some definite like red room stuff. I mean, there's there's torture elements to this kind of thing, man. But um, just saying, like thinking about like the time period that this stuff was first created and the kink of it. Like Kinsey came to mind while while I was uh, going through this book. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's a perfect fit, and he talks about like he would do photo reference for all this stuff. So Absolutely. as you're looking at this art, like you can see, it's it's pretty accurate. You know, it's some of this stuff is obviously exaggerated, but you can see kind of the root of accuracy underneath all of that. Um, his other occupation was photographer, so sure. he was doing um, kink photography. Uh, High heels were the main fetish and bondage is, you know, I think every page we've looked at has had rope on it and probably high heels. It's just, it's a different time period. Um, Betty Page appears in Bizarre and there is speculation about that because supposedly they didn't really meet. Um, it was, he was out of town doing, doing work at the time. And so one of his assistants, I guess, photographed her. Bunny Yeager is a famous uh, Betty Page photographer. So, um, you know, like, it's a small world back then in terms of like what's being produced and all of these people if you read eric stanton if you read you know kind of the history of this stuff the same names come up irvin claw a guy that you know he partners with briefly who was a distributor who's you know i'm sure you can find biographies on him <laughs> probably this thick as well uh but you get to see like one of the nice things with this book i picked it up because i was curious about john willie this book feels like it 
it's everything. It's as much as you're going to find because it has a lot of his other artwork besides like the comics that he did, which by the way, I don't know how you'd call them anything but a graphic novel. Right. Decades before Will Eisner, you know, popularizes that term, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe porn didn't just invent or, or didn't just popularize VHS. Like maybe it also was the one that mainstream innovation, man. Mainstream the graphic novel format. Sex sales. You know, some of his spot illustrations like this. He was a very good cartoonist, very good illustrator. And I thought I would show some of he he did a couple comics serials. I think two complete and then maybe two or three others that weren't quite finished but he also did like this is the the stuff where there is nudity and he describes this as he did this for money like he needed money at the time whenever he took this job but you see these are watercolors yeah so pretty adept illustrator you know once again i can even see like a mark beecham style in this stuff and i don't know if beecham was actually looking but it's more of that overlap of if you're a certain type of figure artist you're probably going to have uh some commonality there. So I won't linger on these pages to keep us out of the uh, the YouTube doghouse, but gives you an idea of, um, I don't know, man, a dark side of comics history. You know, this is certainly not something that I come across too often when I see comics history, but it exists, you know? I mean, I, in a weird way, it's tangential to like Tijuana Bibles or something. It's the evolution, like like it's a, it's a a it bridges the gap. This is the Cro-Magnon uh, man uh, between uh, Tijuana Bibles and uh, proper, you know, comic book pamphlets. Yeah, and I'm going to linger on this page just to point out, like, his black and white drawing technique. Look at how much you see there. Yeah. Like, there's brush, you know, in some of the foliage and some of the heavy line work. Amazing pen line, cross-hatching, almost like a scribbling for some of that, some of the leaves and things. It's very accomplished as an illustrator. Whenever he was um, basically dying, like, he, he sent a... Once he was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor, he sent a letter out to uh, his mailing list basically saying, this is it, this is my last correspondence with all of you, I'll be destroying the mailing list after this, you know, kind of thanking them, which is amazing. Talk about a different time period where, like, in a weird way, we have that now. With social media, like, we interact with our fans now much more closely than, say, for decades that interaction happened. But whenever you're publishing and distributing to them, like, he's sending correspondence to these people regularly. Yeah. It's very, uh, I don't know, it's very strange to see that personal level. How about this? Continuing the idea that this is a great collection, you get to see some of his layouts. So again, if you're interested in John Willie, like this book really kind of scratches that itch and covers it all. Um, but one of his instructions, he had a big portfolio of artwork and he gave it to a friend and was like, destroy this once I die. And the guy did not. Right. And I don't know how to feel about that. I know what you mean, man, because, because I, I have people very, very close to me that have given me instructions and stuff and I will abide by it, but it hurts me. Like my philosophy on art, like I, I put out, I mean, I made videos showing all my little kids stuff and, and I see a growth and I think there's an inspiring thing to see when, when you show like all the work, like, you know, in, in a row and, and as the years go by, but there are people that just, they want only their best stuff to be seen. So I would abide by those wishes, but it, it hurts me. You don't have this book. You know, if, if, yeah. if that guy follows his wishes and destroys that art, we don't have this book. And again, I just don't know how to process that. Yeah, I know. It, I it's, know. It's really tough. And and it's also, it's, it's, it's... The, I guess if you want it destroyed, if you're him, you got to destroy it yourself. The, the, but the karma, like, if he destroyed the mailing list, right, 
he had all these subscribers and maybe these guys, maybe it's J. Edgar Hoover and he doesn't want <laughs> right. people knowing that he's getting Adventures of Sweet Gwendolyn comics or whatever. So, like, that's super honorable. Yeah. But Karma hasn't paid him back. Like, he, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, the this guy didn't do the honorable thing to him and he paid it forward. So, that, that's that's the sad thing there, speak, thinking about him specifically. You know, for the culture, it's a good thing. You know, it's great that we have this stuff, but... You know, the other way people might enjoy a, a book like this is through the costume design. The attention to almost like the fashion of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally, you know, it's it's extreme fetish, but it's also like the attention to even like fabric. <laughs> yeah, we totally, like we talk, we talk about um, artists fetishizing different things. And you could see like in the comics part of this stuff earlier, the, see, that looks like Red Room shit. That's a, kill, like that's a killer. <laughs> that does look like Red Room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, the photo refs he's using really is just is for the chicks. Like when there's like a bendy pose, like mm -hmm. where their asses in the camera and stuff, you could tell that it's just it's pretty accurate. But then the guys look snidely whiplash, cartoony, and the drapery ain't there. Yeah, here you go. Some of the bizarre uh, sketches and covers and stuff that would have been been done. You know, like on glossy. Like I said, this is probably you know like that's your cover image, but you can see. He's really a, a, quite an illustrator. Yeah, it's one of those things where you just know his mama was just so disappointed in him. Like, like, <laughs> like you got all this talent, and this is what you choose to do with it. Yeah, whenever he, uh, whenever he found out, you know, the brain tumor, he packed up and moved back to England, where he was from, and, and lived with his sister the the last year of his life. So, not too estranged from the family, you know. Um, she's quoted in this book as well, and I just wanted to point out. You know, I mentioned I lingered on one page to point out his pen and ink skills. Here he's doing like ink wash, and uh, you know, I mean, I think this stuff looks as good as the the straight pen and ink as well. You can see him doing some really nuanced stuff with like wet on wet kind of watercolor stuff there. How about that for a fun, you know, outside of the fetish world, just as a fun panel, you know, like within the superhero comics world that we that we dwell in so much. Could almost imagine that being a Catwoman panel or totally. something. Totally, like Ms. Fury. Nice silhouettes. So good cartoonist, good illustrator, one of those interesting artists, and a pretty nice book if you're interested in this kind of back matter. It's very rare that end papers can teach you something. <laughs> there's a couple. Uh, there's a couple of pages of, of notes on. You know, this is I guess where you're building those end pages from. I think this was a detailed correspondence that he actually sent to somebody about bondage and. Uh, Right and wrong things to do with it. Probably uh, didn't hurt the Kenzie reps whenever they saw this and were like, let's get this guy on the horn. Yeah, there's clearly a, an art to that stuff, man. You good to go, Jimmy? Yes. Okay, Faber's Life, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. Tell the people what's out there, man. Hulk Grand Design, uh, as you can see here, coming to comic shops shortly. Pick that one up. If you haven't already pre-ordered it, you might want to do so. Street Angel, Deadly Scroll Live, and Princess of Poverty. And The Plain Janes are my latest books. Those are all in print or coming to print soon. You can also join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my work. You can see my originals and what I'm working on next. And you can download out-of-print zines and mini-comics there. Red Room Crypto Killers issue one is being solicited in stores right at this very moment. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room Comics. Two trade paperbacks are out there in the wild right now. The Anti-Social Network and uh, Red Room Trigger Warnings. I find those in better comic shops anywhere. I'm serializing the new Red Room stuff on my Patreon right now. Three bucks gets you the archive. More than 300 pages up there as we speak. Uh, 
10-year anniversary hip hop family tree four volumes of that out there three volumes of x-men grand design and WYSIWYG. uh support the books and you support the cartoonist kayfabe channel what else do we have going on jimmy subscribe to the cartoonist kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video you can also find cartoonist kayfabe t-shirts merchandise mugs hats sweatshirts stickers and lots more at our spread shop that link is also below this video another great way to support the com cartoonist kayfabe channel given those more orders will be on our way read more comics